1: Well, good everybody. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska show on this wonderful President's Day from somewhere in Alaska. Uh, we've got quite a show today. It's just John and I on the show and a good morning to everybody out there in the interwebs and across Alaska. Uh, hope you're having a really good day. Uh, John, you're uh, in Nikiski on the famous and fabulous Kenai Peninsula. How's everything going over there?
0: It's going well. Thanks so much, Suzanne. John Quick here. Uh, on the Kenai Peninsula, and uh, I spent my weekend in the great city of Anchorage, and uh, had it's so some, nice of uh, you to call
1: it the great city. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, that's not what most people call it. They
0: well, lose Anchorage. Mayor Bron Mayor Bronson's trying to make Anchorage great again, and we appreciate that. So, <laughs> um, we, uh, my family, and I were there this weekend, and I can tell you, there's a there uh, is a notice noticeable difference from when we would do you know, weekend trips, uh, a year and a half ago to now, um, there is definitely a noticeable difference in the homeless population. And, uh, you know, for example, we would, we always go to Barnes and Noble, um, their downtown Anchorage.
1: Well, that's kind yeah. of in midtown. It's a little sketchy though.
0: Oh yeah. And so, you know, last time we were there, I don't know, um, a year or so ago, um, maybe this is like three or four times back. The um, homeless people were in the parking lot, you know, getting frisky with each other. And that was kind of a normal occurrence if you went to Barnes and Noble. And this time around, this weekend, uh, it seemed somewhat safe. So that was not happening for the first time, and I can remember. And uh, so, you know, little things like that make a difference. So we had fun in Anchorage. We're glad to be back here on the peninsula where we love freedom. We don't do mandates and we appreciate. Uh, uh, the folks here on the peninsula that encourage freedom over mandates.
1: Well, that's just great, and you know I'm going to get down there in the next few weeks. I, I wanted to let everybody know that our sh- our show producer Scott Levesque has moved away, moved out of state, and so we didn't have a show producer to kind of kick in there. So what John did is he's taken us to Facebook. So now we're producing our show on Facebook, and then. Sort of, John, your reverse engineering is how the fancy words that I use to uh, to say how you're getting it back on the on our platform. So it's also on Spotify, it's also on Google Play and and iTunes and a whole bunch of other ones, like new ones that you've got us on as well. Is that right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So we'll be um, we're going to try to have all of our episodes now start on Facebook Live. I think it's important to be where people are at, and people are on Facebook more than they're on uh, you know Amazon Music or. Spotify or listening to iTunes. We really appreciate our folks that download our episodes um, every time, but we also know that we'll reach probably 10 times the amount of people just by doing this on Facebook Live for every episode. So we're going to be doing that. And, uh, you know, for folks that don't do the Facebook Live, that's totally fine. You don't need to watch it here. You can just go download the episodes like you would normally do on iTunes. We're also going to be adding somebody to the mix for um, our show host, and that is a gentleman named James Bazden. James is a city council member with the City Kenai and uh, he's former chief of staff for Mayor Charlie Pierce. He's a dear friend of mine, so I'm a little biased. And uh, James is going to be coming to us probably Thursday or Friday morning in this same format, Facebook Live, and then kind of converted into uh, a podcast that you can download later. And he's going to be talking about um, local elections, politics in Alaska, and he's also a a public safety expert. He was, um,
1: he's
0: he's been a fire chief, I don't know, for the last 20 years. He's been the president of the Fire Chiefs Association for the state of Alaska. He was some other big title for that same association uh, across the U.S. He knows public safety this is what he eats, sleeps, and breathes. But he's also very keen on um, uh, local issues as well, being a city council member. So we're excited to have him on board every week. uh, Right, right. Probably once a week.
1: Great, and so people are used to hearing Scott Levesque's voice and we will miss him and we wish him well and and we hope to hear from him again. But James Basin is gonna be really fun to plug into that slot for midweek or toward the end of the week. And so basically we're sort of fancy like Applebee's here on Facebook and we're just (laughs) gonna make the best of of not having a a show producer. We're gonna do it on our own and it's kind of belts and suspenders kind of a situation. Well, there's been a lot to look at over the weekend. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of the readers have been looking at our story, our most recent stories about Ottawa, because people are very interested in what is going on with civil disobedience and the um, you know, the, the, the vaccine mandates, especially as it pertains to Canada and the United States border. So basically both countries, presidents and, and Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, um, Cracked down on, on vaccines and said all truckers, everybody coming over the border has to show a vaccine passport. And as everyone by now knows, there was a massive uprising of truckers who started from everywhere in their country and converged on Ottawa. We are, I think, on day 24 of that major protest by truckers. A couple of hundred people have been arrested now. The uh, police chief of Ottawa has resigned, and the one that they kind of was, were plugging in there that he quit and then they've got a, they've got a third one in there now and that chief police chief of Ottawa brought in the horses and they had mounted police and over the weekend, those mounted police trampled a couple of people who ended one of, one of whom ended up in the hospital. she's going to live she but turns out she's not the white supremacist that everybody. You know, was led to believe this thing is she's a Mohawk Indian who just wants everybody to be free and doesn't Uh-oh. want uh, yeah all this crackdown <laughs> on everybody doesn't
0: fit their narrative. Watch doesn't out. fit the
1: narrative. She's a total indigenous person, and she ended up in the hospital. She's a grandmother, and she was on a walker. That was the other kind of uh, awful thing about it is that she was already disabled when they um, they walked they walked right over her intentionally. They just took the horses and said, "We're coming through." And they didn't pay attention to the fact that she was disabled and she was on a walker. And so she got hurt and a couple of other people looked like they, they got hurt too. And it's gotten a little bit rowdy, a little bit rambunctious over there. And um, Justin Trudeau and his um, minions are definitely cracking down. The Ottawa police are now saying, John, that they are uh, coming after anybody who was involved. So even if you left voluntarily, they are coming after you. And in fact, they kind of left that as an open door that they would come after anyone who aided the protesters. So now you're saying if you aid protesters, the, the Canadian police, you know, the local police will prosecute you. Um, that's not the kind of America that we're used to. That's not what we think we can do here. We think we can protest peacefully. And in fact, on January 6, 2021, almost everybody, there were like hundreds of thousands of people in, in Washington, DC on, on that day. I didn't go, you didn't go. Um, But a lot of people did go. They wanted to hear Donald Trump speak and they wanted to send a message to Congress that they thought that the election was fraudulent. Well, there were a few of them, probably a couple hundred that probably broke the law. And we don't know that for a fact because we're just sort of waiting for justice to be served sort of um, on them. But people went into the U.S. Capitol and some people misbehaved. Some people took things, vandalized things, um, certainly went in, to places that they weren't allowed to go into. And then, and then one of them was shot by uh, the Capitol Police there. So one of the protesters was actually killed. Yeah. The only person who really died that day was actually a protester. But um, in, in that said, we, we think that it can't happen here, but many, many of the protesters from January 6th are still awaiting you know, even the most basic form of arraignment. And they're be- being held in a separate part of the jail in DC. They're being held essentially in isolation. We don't know what happened to them. They are being treated actually like war criminals. I mean, they're like Gitmo, actually. And it's it's a pretty dire situation. And um, I just think it's interesting. We think that Canada has it all wrong. But quite honestly, we didn't do that much better with January 6th.
0: Yeah, it's, um, it's uh, very unfortunate that Canada has taken this stance. And for those who, those of you that maybe haven't been following this, Up until maybe a week ago, this protest in Canada, these protesters were about the nicest, most respectful people I've ever seen in my life. I've seen video after video after video where you have the protesters. They're the ones cleaning and shoveling the snow from the sidewalks because the city has refused to do it while they're down there. They're the ones who are literally picking up all the garbage after themselves and, and, uh, being nice about it because the city refused to do it while they're down there. I saw a video, uh, I don't know, maybe three weeks ago, two weeks ago where the police had just began to kind of start to confiscate the gas cans that hundreds and hundreds of people were bringing down <clears throat> to these truckers. And the truckers had surrounded, I don't know, two or three police that had taken maybe a dozen gas cans and um looking at the video on the front end, you would think, man, these truckers are going to pounce on the police. It's going to be crazy. This is going to be nuts. That's what was going through my mind when I looked at it. And literally as the video played out, the truckers approached the police people and they say, we disagree with you taking our gas cans."
1: (laughs) How Canadian of them. (laughs) And
0: and the police were like, yeah, we got to do this. And they're like, well, we strongly disagree with that. And they just walked away and kind of parted ways. And I thought to myself, this has got to be the nicest group of protesters, but they're still making their point. And I think to what Justin Trudeau obviously, you know, got out of the playbook was we got to aggravate these people because they're not violent enough. They're not being crazy enough. They're not being mean. We got to poke the bear enough and take away their gas cans, take away their food, take away all this yeah. kind of stuff. Okay. That didn't work. Okay. Now we're going to literally go down there and start roughing people up.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh, the latest speech that I heard from this third installment of the Ottawa Police Chief said that if you're e- even if you're just down there that you'll be arrested and his his quote was that uh, anybody demonstrating, he didn't even say you know violently protesting. he used Any, the word demonstrator. anybody mm-hmm. demonstrating is going to be arrested
1: That's right. so so now peaceful protest is outlawed in Canada essentially.
0: Yep. And, you know, we'll, you, we'll, uh, I, I am for peaceful protests, I'm for demonstrating, I'm not for uh, violence and protests. And unfortunately, it gets that way. But uh, over the last summer, we saw Justin Trudeau take a knee with the BLM protesters as they were burning down cities across Canada. He took a knee with their organizers, saying that he stood in solidarity. And understood why they would do such a thing and burn down cities across Canada. And he is saying now that he is going to arrest these peaceful protesters Mm -hmm. for all but parking their trucks in places that that makes his emotions hurt and being peaceful about it in the meantime. You just see the stark contrast of, of this is essentially a game of control. True. And... There's going to be fringe people that are going to be violent, no matter what kind of protests protests you are. But as long as it plays into their narrative and the media's narrative and keeps these people elected, then they're going to be fine with it. If it doesn't do that, they're going to be against it. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything besides that. Does this get me elected? Okay, sweet. I'm going to think I'm going to do this some more. Does it not get me elected? Oh, this is bad. We have to stop this.
1: Yeah, well, it'll be interesting. This this is certainly not over. And for those of you who checked out Must Read Alaska this weekend, you'll see that there was a story up yesterday about the convoy that's leaving California, I believe on Wednesday. And it's not just California. There are routes from all over the United States heading toward Washington, D.C. We don't know how big this thing is. We don't know if the American truckers will try to replicate or be able to replicate what what the uh, Canadian truckers did, but we do know that they're heading to Washington, D.C., and they're heading there at about the same time that uh, that President Biden will be giving his State of the Union address. He gives his State of the Union address on March 1. And I have a feeling there will be some trucks that will have arrived by then. Their their date that they plan to arrive is March 3rd, but since they're coming from various places, and um, it's kind of a it's not a a big organized thing. I mean, it's pretty distributed throughout the United States. There's a a group coming from Spokane, there's a group coming from California, there's a group coming from the South or several groups from the South. So we'll keep your eye on that. I think that's an interesting development. We'll see what the uh, American truckers do in terms of protesting the mandates. So as as you might've also read on Must Read Alaska, Biden has extended his emergency powers definitely essentially he's extended them for another year they will um i think they they expire next year if he doesn't he
0: needs to extend his common sense powers to yeah, start yep. making you know sentences that make sense
1: <laughs> speaking of common sense i, I wanted to uh, um talk a little bit cuz we missed talking about this on friday when we did our show our first facebook show on friday we we didn't get around to talking about kelly Chewbacca and Kelly Jabaka's dinner with Trump because that was really kind of fun. I talked to her last weekend when she got back from her visit to Mar-a-Lago and she had a, an amazing fundraiser, John. She raised something like $450,000 for her campaign, which really is pretty good and it makes her competitive uh, with, uh, with Lisa Murkowski. So while the the whole event was winding down, Trump asked her and her husband, Nikki Chewbacca, if they wanted to go upstairs to the restaurant with him. And there's this massive sort of covered uh, balcony. It's, a, it's an open-air restaurant, as, as many things are down in that area of the world. And it is gorgeously appointed. It's, at, it's a six-star resort. So you know it's absolutely fabulous. And uh, she told me all about what it was like to have dinner with Donald Trump. It was interesting, I wrote a story about it, it's still up on Must Read Alaska if you on the front page there. She basically said that it was pretty intense. He is a very intense person, extremely interested in the details and in strategy. He's very, very knowledgeable now. He's taught himself all about ranked choice voting and how that works. And he's also very much interested in, um, in Kelly's strategy for reaching out to rural Alaska. And she said it was intense, though, because he's not there having a casual dinner. He is actually just having a very businesslike dinner with her.
0: I think that's awesome. It's um, one of the things I am very much looking forward to in terms of Kelly Chewbacca and Donald Trump is his campaign promise back in the day. And, and I think you wrote about it in your story that he still is going to come to Alaska and help campaign for Kelly to beat lisa murkowski and i think that that that's the quote unquote you know what they call the trump card because um senator murkowski is one smart cookie she's you know uh she's there's only two senators in the history of the united states that have come back and won with a write-in ballot and she's one of them so don't put anything past senator murkowski because uh, she's about as sharp as they get when it comes to political strategy and winning elections but you can't go wrong with our base, the conservative base, the libertarian type of base, to have Donald Trump come up and help Kelly Chewbacca campaign. I think that, you know, if he spent two or three days up here, she could raise just a god awful amount of money. And there is pretty much every wealthy conservative in Alaska would come to some dinner that Trump was going to be at. And uh, I think that uh, it'll, Excite the base, and not only will it could it potentially help Kelly's campaign, but I think it could potentially help a number of different campaigns that are um, that we have going on that are conservative. And you know, it's a big election year for Alaska, and you know, if, if Trump's still on the edge with Dunleavy, which it sounds like he is, that's one of the things that he mentioned at the dinner was that he is not happy with Dunleavy's stance on Murkowski of taking this middle of the road stance, doesn't want to get involved, stance doesn't want to make a public. Um, statement stance. Donald Trump literally made it a point at the dinner to say, I'm not pleased with, with governor Dunleavy's stance on Murkowski. I'm rethinking my endorsement. Yeah. And so if I'm a Charlie Pierce or a Kirk out there, I'm thinking to myself, how do I get, how do I get into the Trump campaign's ear? Because I've got a stance on Murkowski. I'd love to talk about it. And so if Trump comes in the summer and he's endorsing somebody different than Dunleavy, that's going to be a game changer. And so, it just could be a it could be a very uh, fun summer for us political junkies.
1: Yeah, I think you're raising some really good points. If he comes in the summer, and he endorses Kelly Jabaka and he snubs Mike Dunleavy, I don't know what kind of message that is. I mean, a lot of it really depends on you know how how strong they have a case against Trump and whether or not he can withstand this the kind of pressure that he's under from the House committee right now. And uh, we'll see. But it, it seems to me that uh, if he comes to Alaska and he endorses Kelly and doesn't endorse Dunleavy going into the primary, that's tricky. So only four people will emerge from the primary, as we know, and go on to the general election ballot. And so th- uh, right now, my guess is that those people will be you know, Mike Dunleavy, Charlie Pierce, Les Guerra, and Bill Walker. And, uh, you know, right now, uh, it looks like Bill Walker and Les Guerra are the ones that are raising all the money. I mean, those yeah. guys have raised a pile of money
0: 1.3 or
1: 1.2 yeah, million dollars. Well, probably by now, 1.3 million between them. So, uh, so only Ford get as far as the general election bout. Which means if if Charlie got there and he had a, a Trump endorsement, that would be very interesting. You know that that's a, an interesting game changer. So the question is, can he get enough votes, or does he become the spoiler? So, lots of things to analyze between now and then, John.
0: Yep, it's uh, you never know what's going to happen, and that's the beauty of uh, the final frontier: is that uh, we uh, it's up to the people. They get a vote. They get to decide, even with ranked choice crazy primaries and all those kinds of things you still get to have to get out there and vote it is very concerning to me though that the conservatives have only raised essentially you know four hundred thousand dollars and some change to the 1.2 to 1.3 million dollars the other teams raised so that's a little yeah, and, concerning and to me
1: it is and keep in mind the uh, the republican governor's committee they will come in with uh two or three million dollars for for don levy because um you know they they've already committed to support him, and there will be others that will will come in with the independent expenditure groups all, alongside him. We have to see how all that plays out. I don't know where all his recall fight money went. Um, I'll have to take a look at that because he, I thought he had a lot more, and I I guess maybe that's still in the independent expenditure group and it hasn't been used in some way. So that'll probably stay over on the side. Now um, there hasn't been a lot of sign of life from the the Dunleavy campus, as I said on Friday, but- um, but we're, it is, it is, we're
0: hopeful though, right? Yeah, we're hopeful, <laughs> it's only
1: February. Well, so um, uh, other than that, I, I wanted to make mention that uh, on Tuesday in Anchorage, uh, the uh, school board is gonna meet. The superintendent of schools has already said that she wants to remove the mask mandate on the children. She wanted to in December, but the school board overrode her because they, they basically took away her power. They let her have her power in August when she said there would be a mask mandate. But when she said there would be no mask mandate, they took her power away. They kept it for themselves. So now she's saying, you know, we were going to take it away. We're gonna remove it. It's time to remove it. February 28th is the day that masks come off. Um, I'll be watching and I know a lot of parents in Anchorage will be watching to see whether or not the school board continues masking the children for the life of me, I don't understand why there is not a massive uprising against this school district over these masks. I don't understand why parents are so passively allowing their children to be essentially emotionally stunted and scholastically stunted by this school district. Um, I think that Dina Bishop has probably quit over it. I think that's why she she has submitted her resignation because she realizes she's dealing with basically a communist school board. And people got to say, we're not going to see anything different next year because we don't have candidates right now who can win and take over the majority of that, of that school board. Um, Margo Bellamy, she's got the money. She doesn't have candidates who are competitive. And uh, so Anchorage parents you're, you're in for another really difficult year. That's all I can say.
0: Yeah. Dave, Dave Donnelly, uh, Donnelly, or sorry, Donnelly,
1: Dave Donnelly. He's, Donnelly. The, he's the only, the only conservative he's, on the on He's going to be board.
0: the one man in the Island that's holding down the fort. We, we love Dave and, and, uh, but man, we don't want Dave to be the sole person out there, uh, you know, speaking common sense to the conservative parents. And, you know, uh Superintendent Bishop, the frustration that you feel right now, probably my guess is you probably are resigning because you don't have any authority of, over any of this. The frustration that you feel right now over the school board for doing these kinds of things is the same frustration. Like you were frustrated enough to possibly resign a job that pays you very well, that you could stay in for the rest of your life. So you were frustrated enough to do something about it. That same frustration is the frustration that parents have felt for the last two years and is the same frustration that they've shown up to these school board meetings and they've sent you and, and school board members letters and they've put voicemails on your phone and school board members phone in frustration. And historically, your crowd has said, these people are crazy. This is fringe people. This is nuts. These people are nuts. Well, you are, you are now facing that frustration yourself. And so- mm-hmm. I just want to tell folks, once you, you will never be woke enough, S- Superintendent Bishop, for the Anchorage School Board. It will never happen. You can never be woke enough to you know, resolve these, these people's woes with society. And uh, it's, fr- it's frustrating as parents. I've been there. Kenai yeah, Peninsula School have. District had a mask mandate. We chose to put our money where our mouth is, and we pulled our kids out. Well, if you're going to have a mask mandate, we're going to pull our kids, and that's what we did. And, but not all parents can do that. But parents can, right? If you can't show up to a meeting, you can spend 10 minutes and write an email. You can spend five minutes and make a phone call. That's what needs to happen in the thousands. Literally the
1: thousands. Absolutely. every
0: single parent that's listening or every single parent that's listening that has friends that are parents in the school district, you need to email the school district every 10 minutes until this thing stops. And be peaceful, be respectful, be nice you know don't threat keep to the facts don't
1: don't threaten yeah be be respectful
0: (laughs) or they will not listen to you they probably won't listen anyways but you have a lesser chance of them listening to you if you're not disrespectful i would keep it very simple but you need to be bombarding these people with emails and phone calls if you can't show up to the meetings literally 10 times a day until they kill the mask mandate
1: so john i know you've got to go and take the kids to school right
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: hey, well, listen, everybody, I want to thank you for joining us on the Must Read Alaska show. John, you have a show tomorrow with James Basin. Is that right?
0: I do. And I have a mug here that says I love my wife. So yeah, everybody.
1: yeah. Well, I love your wife, too. She's the best. <laughs> Say hi to. Yeah, Heidi.
0: tomorrow, we got a show with James Basin at seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah, uh, we're doing I'm doing a new show called five questions where I just ask uh, the guests five questions. And uh, James will be the first one on the docket.
1: And great. And then James will join us later in the week and he's going, to start, uh, he's going to start manning the mic at the Must Read Alaska show midweek and we will proceed. And so thank you everybody for your support for Must Read Alaska and the conservative voice in Alaska. Um, if you would like to support this work, right-hand side of the page at mustreadalaska.com, there's a little donate button and we really do appreciate it. It helps us keep these, uh, all these gizmos going and, and helps uh, put gas in John's car so he can take his kids to school. So. <laughs> Until next time, see you later, guys.